as you know, we've been celebrating, or most of you, if you're guests here today, we've been celebrating 25 years of ministry here. We've been in this building for three years. On the 11th of September, it will be three years. 9-11-11 is when we, when we entered this building. And um, what we're discussing and talking about, and we will for the rest of the year, maybe beyond whatever, but I've got, a, I've got a number of things that God's been giving me to say, and I've been sharing little pieces of it, and things that have to do with the next 25 years that, as Sarah said, we've already stepped into, and because uh, God is about today and the future. You know, the past is like your rearview mirror. It's very small. You look at it every once in a while. It's good to look at the past and be thankful for where you've come from, but if you're riding in a car, the front windshield is huge and it's wide open and God is looking at today and beyond. That's where God lives. He's the God of yesterday, today, and forever. He's already created tomorrow. Tomorrow's already made. It's not something that he makes at 12 o'clock midnight every day. It's already created. It already is. It didn't make sense to my natural mind how, how you know, six months from now can already be created, but it already is. It already, it's already there because God's already there. He's the God of back then and right now and way down there, you know. So the Bible is clear to us that there's nothing to worry about. Nothing to fret about, nothing to be concerned about. And so if I'm not worried about tomorrow, then I can live today and get the most out of today. I can, I can organize today, I can prepare for tomorrow, but I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I can do things today that I need to do so that my tomorrows are more prepared and ready, but you'll never fix tomorrow. You'll, you'll never create your tomorrow. You can prepare for it, but he's got it created. The key to your success in tomorrow is being able to hear him today. If you hear the voice of the Spirit of God today, then when tomorrow comes, you'll hear the voice of the Spirit of God tomorrow. And the next day, and you'll keep developing that ability to hear. So, as, as we're talking about the next 25 years, title of my message today, and probably will be next Sunday too, I'll probably change the message title by next week, but this week, for the lack of a better title, title of my message is The Greater Glory. The greater glory. So I'm just going to kind of talk to you today. I, you know, I may teach a little bit. I may even get a little preaching in there, but I'm just going to talk. And I want to start <clears throat> out of the book of Haggai in the Old Testament. Go to Malachi and go three books over. Well, Malachi in two books. Haggai, there's only two chapters. We're going to look in the second chapter. And um, I'm going to talk about the greater glory. The greater glory. I'm going to start in verse 1. We're going to read from verse 1 to verse 9. 
And in the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of, of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying... So, you know, I'm not Haggai, I'm Bert. <laughs> so, but I'm speaking to you kind of in a similar way by the Spirit of the Lord. God gave me something and then he gave me the passage, okay? If, uh, if on a dime you ask me to speak about George Washington, our first president, Without notes, without books, without anything, I could talk to you for the next two hours about his life. Why? Because I've studied it, right? I've studied the man, everything about it. I've got at least a half a dozen books, and then I've read books online and read materials and other people's, you know, um, writings about the man. I could talk to you about him, about practically every battle that he ever fought, every battle that was won, every miracle that happened in battle, we could talk, I could talk for the next two to three hours without taking a breath with no notes and not have to, you know, oh, what was that date and what was it? No, because I've studied it. I've studied it intensely about the man. So it's really easy to talk. People say, I've had people say to me, you know, I could never get up in front of people like you and, and talk to people. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could. All you have to do one time is talk about something that you believe in, and you'll never be the same. You, you, you'll destroy that fear. And when you get up and stand in front of people, and you're talking about something that you know nothing about, and, and you stutter and stammer, and you know, well, yeah, you know, then you go away from that, and the enemy will beat you up. He'll take a sledgehammer and start pounding on your head. You sounded like an idiot. Yeah. But if you talk about something that you believe in, that you have a passion about, it, it, it really doesn't matter whether people like what you say because you believe in yourself, you know? And it'll destroy the fear of public speaking in front of other people. That was just free. <clears throat> But it's amazing to me when I have something to say and I've got scripture to back it up, <laughs> how I feel like all of heaven is standing behind me. It's like everywhere I walk, the angels are walking with me. The Holy Ghost is walking with me. The Father's walking with me. Because if I got what he wanted me to say and, he, and, and I, feel, I feel the presence, sometimes I can feel the tangible presence you know, I can feel it in the form of something like goosebumps or whatever. But I don't have to feel that to know that heaven's backing up what I say if what I'm saying is what he's already said. And, and I'm not taking what he said and manipulating it into the situation that I'm in right now, okay? Or trying to get you to believe something and using scripture to say that. But when I say it as I'm going to say this out of this passage of scripture... It's something that I heard inside of me, and now he showed me where there's something that says something similar to it that I can back it up with Scripture. So hear me as I say this. That may make sense, and maybe it doesn't. So 
to the remnant of people, to the people sitting here today. Who is left among you who saw the, this temple in its former glory? What's the temple represent? The house of God, which 1 Timothy 3.15 says is the church, which Ephesians 1 says the church is his body. Right? So the temple is the house, is the church, is his body. Okay? So he's asking the question here, Haggai is, who's left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now in comparison with it? Is this not in your eyes as nothing? In other words, where the rebuilding of the temple was, he was asking the question, how do you compare the rebuilding and where we're at right now in the rebuilding of the temple with the glory of the, of the latter house, of the latter temple? Because the, 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 the previous temple was torn down and destroyed and they rebuilt this temple. And so he's talking about the one that was, that was erected, torn down versus the one that was being resurrected and rebuilt. So follow with me on this. Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord. And, what does he tell them to do? One translation says, work hard. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. Another translation says, work hard, I am with you, and I will bless you. I will empower you. Work hard in this new temple, in what you're doing here. Work hard in this, and I will bless it. If you won't work hard at what I tell you to do, I can't bless it. My blessing can't be on it. My empowerment can't be on you to go beyond the natural to the supernatural. According to the word that I covenanted with you, verse 5, when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you, do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while and I will shake heaven and earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 8, the silver is mine. And the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 9, for the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. In this place I will give peace. Now, um, can you put up, did, did, I, did I tell you the New, the new Living Translation? Can you... Can you Go start in uh, verse 1, and I want to read the New Living Translation. Did I, did I give you that? can't remember if I did or not. Can we switch? Give them a minute. They probably didn't get that. Probably didn't get that email. <laughs> New Living. 
like this. Then on October 17th <laughs> of that same year, the Lord sent another message through the prophet Haggai. Say this to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of God's people there in the land. Does anyone remember this house, this temple, in its former splendor? How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. But now the Lord says, be strong, Zerubbabel, be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, high priest. Be strong, all you people still left in the land, and now get to work. For I am with you, says the Lord of, uh, of the heaven's armies. My spirit remains among you, just as I promised when you came out of Egypt. So do not be afraid. For this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. In just a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the, Lord's of, the Lord of heavens. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place I will bring peace, and I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. For the future glory, meaning today on, will be greater than the glory of the past. Now, okay, I'm, I'm going to say something that's just a conviction to me, okay? So I want you to hear me say this. You, you can take a passage of scripture like this and talk about where the church has been in the past versus what's going to happen in the church in the future. And, and you can prophesy this, and, and, and I, I believe that, there is, that there's real truth in that about the church as a whole. But the temple is the house of God that equals, the, in the New Testament, the church of God, the church of Jesus Christ. Everybody say this, I'm the church. Okay? But we are not people that are spirit without measure. Jesus was dealt the spirit of God without measure. There's no limitations on him. Where you and I are limited is in the fact that we need each other. There's limitations in you as the church in the fact that you need the rest of the pieces of the body connected. And you need to be connected one to another so that we become the spirit without measure together. See, when people get frustrated that they don't do everything that Jesus did, it's because it's not all about you. One of the reasons we've been teaching on the gifts of the Spirit on Wednesday night and the understanding of the gifts of the Spirit because the gifts of the Spirit are that. They're gifts from the Spirit of God to profit mankind. And when those gifts flow through each one of us individually, not just a handful of people, but all of us, then the body and the world and the planet gets blessed and increases because those gifts were given to men to profit mankind. For the glory of the former house, 
for the glory of this house that's, that, that's before us to be greater than the former house, you and I have to work together. The body of Jesus Christ around the world has to work together. We've got to learn to flow together. But we're, we're not about unity. Unity is not the goal for the church. Oneness is the goal. See, because if, we, if we're going to bicker and squabble over our doctrinal differences so that we can come to a place of unity, what will happen is you'll compromise. I can't compromise what I believe for your sake. I can love you. I can learn to flow with you. I can, you and I can be in agreement in spite of our differences, but I can't get in unity with something I don't agree with. And that's where the church, I believe, in days past where a lot of the great, the awesome glory that is manifested in the church in the last 2,000 plus years, I believe that's where a lot of it got shut down because we tried to agree with everything. You don't have to agree with everything I say. You should, but no. You, 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 don't, you don't have to agree with everything that I say. You, you better take what I say when I'm reading stuff like this and then I'm paraphrasing and giving you my opinion about it. You've got to know it for yourself. You've got to believe this for yourself. But I'll just tell you this. If we don't, as the body of Jesus Christ, if we don't get together, there'll be no greater glory. There'll be no greater glory. God wants you and I increasing in what Jesus increased in. Luke 2.52. Write that down and look at it. It was, it was before his earthly ministries when he was a young man. The Bible said he increased... You got it? Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. He increased. I'm declaring to you today that in the next 25 years, it's God's will that you increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. That you learn to understand what it means to be in one accord. What happened throughout the Bible when people were in one accord is that sudden things happened. And I, I've said this to you before, but I'm saying it again. God never moves quickly, but he always moves suddenly. It could take God 15 years to move, but then suddenly. Never quickly. <laughs> How many can testify to that? Amen. I've never seen him move quickly. You know why? Because, because most of humanity doesn't move quick enough to make changes. And God knows things, if things happen prematurely in your life, you'll just screw them up. They'll ruin you. If character isn't, isn't above manifestation, if character is not moving ahead of manifestation, manifestation will destroy people. Things will come to people that they're not ready for. And God knows it. I'm telling you today, God knows it. God desires for you to increase every day of your life in wisdom stature who you are, you knowing who you are, and in favor with God and with man. Because if we're people of stature who are operating in the wisdom of God, and everywhere you go, the favor of God is on you, it follows you, it surrounds you, it's before you, it's to your left and to your right, there's nothing that won't happen for you as a result of your connection with God and your belief system with God. But listen, I have to be a person that is about people. 
You have to become a person that is about people. You're about others. You can't be about yourself because if you're about yourself and you stay inward, then all that can happen is what can happen through you, and you only have a measure of what needs to manifest on planet Earth. You just have a measure. We are each dealt a measure of faith, each one of us. But man, all of us together, we're spirit without measure. What does that mean? No limitations. No limitations. There's not anything that can't happen when you and I get together. The next 25 years at Gates of the City is about connection. The next 25 years at Gates of the City is about the greater glory. Thank God for the past. Some of you have been around here and seen some of the glory of the past. A few of you. Some of you have seen the things that have happened here and with us over the last 25 years, but I'm telling you, today in the future, there's nothing, nothing is going to compare about what God's doing now and in the days ahead. Nothing will compare to it. Amen? Because we're living now, today, in the greater glory. I want to define the word in, in several different dictionaries. I just want to give you these pretty much one-word definitions of the word glory. Rich, honorable, heavy, splendor, to come to, to bring to, to promote, to prevail. In the Webster's, it, it's defined glory as, as a state of splendor, of a state of magnificence, a state of prosperity. It means happiness. It means gratification, contentment, a source of honor and fame, a source of admiration and a blessing. Empowerment is what the glory of God is and what it's represented, what it represents. So I'm going to use a few of these words in, in the rest of the word that I have for you today that I want you to think about and, and look at. Um, In Genesis chapter 26, I just, want, I just want to read this about Isaac. Genesis 26. There was something on Isaac, and, and, and we're talking about the glory of the latter house greater than the former. There are things that happened with Abraham that were great, but there were things that happened with Isaac that were greater. I'm going to say it again. There are things that happened with Abraham that were great, but there are things that happened with Isaac that were greater. And I'm telling you, when you read about Abraham, there was some great stuff that happened with him. Amen? But in chapter 26, and verse 1 it says, There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Ger. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. Dwell in your land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. I, 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 when I see scriptures like that, I think of this, and, and so I apply it to myself. Say this after me. I dwell 
in my land. Okay? Now, that land was a natural land, but it was a spiritual land also because of what was handed down to you and I. So our land is, yeah, it's a natural land. It's your home. It's your place. It's where you're at. It's this church. It's who we are and what we represent. It's, it's that. But it's a spiritual land. It's something that we take possession of on the inside of us. Okay? So he said, dwell in this land. So I say it like this. I dwell in my land, and God said, I will be with you, and I will bless you. I dwell in this land. In other words, I'm taking, I'm taking up roots here. I, I'm, this is my abode. This is my place of residency. I'm not just renting here. I'm not just here for six months and gone when, you know, when some wind blows through and it just seems like I need to do something different. I'm here. And, and you have to make up your mind in things that you do day to day that even when difficulties come, you don't just uproot and, and, and do something else. It's that way with the job. It's that way in church life and what we're talking about today. You don't just uproot when something is difficult or something just doesn't go your way. Because when you uproot, what you do is, if you've ever taken a plant that has, that has grown in a certain place or a tree or whatever, and you've uprooted that and tried to replant it, so many times that thing dies. Because it left, you know, if, if it's in a little pot and then you're taking it and going to the ground with it, well, it was, it was, it was in a, it, you know, it was in a waiting period. It was, it was developing in this pot and now you put it in the ground and now it's found its roots and its home and it needs to stay there so that the, it can grow and mature. It's that same way... In, and and I'm, I'm just using church life, but it's that way in anything else. When you're planted somewhere and you're supposed to be there, if you uproot, where your roots were connected is where your life source came from. See, and so when you go uproot and you replant and, and you don't, and, and, and the roots were cut off and they were, they were messed with, it's very difficult for those to reattach because they were attached over here. See, and and. It's the same way in the church. God wants there to be gl greater glory, so he doesn't want us uprooting, okay? He wants us staying connected and established so that what we do in the future, he can bless. And, and, and the problem with that is when you're rooted and grounded somewhere, you go through seasons. Hmm? Well, you know, I remember when, man, all my fruit was hanging off and everything was great, and, and now it seems like we're just in a winter season. Yeah, you're just in a season. But how many know that seasons change? Right. Right. Yeah. Seasons come. That's the wrong song. Anyway, <clears throat> it's one of those. It's, it seems like it's a Seals and Crofts song. That's what it was. Uh, but seasons come and seasons go, right? And, and, and we've got to remain planted as we go through the seasons. Everybody say through. You don't camp out in the winter season. If you're in a winter season for five years, you need to, okay, let, let's release and do something else. But there's seasons that we go through, and when it's not everything that I want it to be, what, what, what's happening is things are happening with the roots. In the winter season, the roots are getting stronger. They're getting stronger. You're being more convinced of where it is that you're at and what you're created to do. And then when the next... Uh, harvesting season or time of fruit comes in your life, 
All of a sudden, you look different. You're, you're a little bit bigger. You're a little bit wider. You're a little bit this and that. And that comes from what you do in the winter seasons of the roots causing you to be convinced of what you're doing. Then what happens is you become part of the answer instead of the problem. Because you see new things when you come through seasons. And, and for there to be greater glory in the house we got to be people that remain and become stronger and have expectation for today and tomorrow instead of talking about what happened back then. Well, if we just did it like, who wants to do that? We don't want to do it like it was. We want to do it like it will be and it will become. I don't know about you. It's like today I have such great vision for manifestation of things in your lives than what I've ever had before, than I've ever had. Amen? So he said, dwell, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. I don't know about you, but all I want, I want to live in the blessing of God. Amen? I don't want to, I don't want to be away from that. Uh, where am I? Ah, verse 3. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to your father Abraham and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of the heaven and I will give your descendants all these lands and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Now, now can, you, can you take that literally? That in your seed the nations will be blessed. Can you take that literally? If we can't take that literally, then we can't claim any of the promises of Abraham. Because the promises of Abraham were to his seed and to all those ahead. Amen? That's you and me. So, when you're planted and when you remain, his blessing is on you and all these other added things happen in your life. How many want your children and your children's children to do great exploits and for the nations to be blessed as a result of them, huh? Come on. I mean, who, I mean, I, I was born at night, but not last night. I mean, I'm not that stupid. I want my kids to be a blessing and so on. And you know what? Sometimes you can think about that. Yeah, but you don't know what we're dealing. Okay. Okay. So you're in one of those seasons. But man, when the word of God becomes real to you, and I'm going to just show you something here about the word. When the word of God becomes real to you, your whole future will change whole future when I got born again 19 February 23rd 1977 I was in the back room of a one of my friends house we'd been smoking female weed all night long and in the bottom of this massive bong was Everclear 100% like it was like uh, like airplane fuel in the bottom of this bong, smoking this stuff and drinking that stuff at the same time. And I was in the back of this guy's room, February the 23rd, 1977, and I, I felt like I was going to die. And I just said, God, if you get me out of this, and just in a matter of an hour or so, I'd sobered up, just clear, sobered up. And when that happened to me, 
And I got born again a few days after that with someone that led me in, in, in a confession in, in, a, in an apartment Bible study from a guy that was, a, he was, he had been let out of prison, been accused of murder, and something happened. He was eight years in prison, became a preacher in prison, got out, and he'd been out for just six weeks, and I was in his Bible study in an apartment complex in Las Cruces, New Mexico. And that night, I gave my heart to God. And nobody in my family was saved. Right? There was not a soul saved, right? Yeah, I was just making sure there wasn't anybody saved. I want to make sure I, was, I said that right. There was nobody in my family that was saved. 1977, that was 37 years ago, right? Yeah. 37 years ago, nobody in my family was born again. And, and you, you, if you watch me on, on social media, we got a family. Hmm? Left and right. But today, everybody in my family is born again. Everybody. And, and they're, not just, they're not just kind of born again. They're all born of the Spirit of God and love God and passionate about God and advancing the kingdom of God. 37 years later, every single person in my family is born again. That doesn't just happen. Somebody had to get saved. You understand? Somebody had to get saved. The nations are blessed because Bert Wimberly got saved and all of his family. Right? What about you? I'm just, say, I'm just saying, I'm not going to say the nations are cursed because of us. And, and, and the nations could be going downhill because of us had we not changed. Had there not been a change, had somebody not made a difference. I'm looking at the nations changing and the families changing and the children changing and the children having a passion to do things. And if you're going through a season right now where it doesn't look like that for you, listen, there were years. There were years. My brother, man, after I got born again, I wanted to take him out myself. Hmm? Today, today, he's born again. He has five boys. Last Saturday, his youngest boy, no, second to the youngest boy, was on ESPN game day, tied in for Eastern Washington, first game of the college football season. If you missed it, I have it recorded. <laughs> you can come to my house. And the boy scored a touchdown. And the impact that that kid is having on Eastern Washington football and Eastern Washington as a whole, the impact that this young guy has happened, I mean, he is passionate about God. Is he not? Yeah. Huh? I mean, this kid is passionate. And make sure to rewind, make sure to take this off the tape because it's not, I'm not taking credit for it. I'm just saying what happens. There are people in Eastern Washington getting saved because I got saved. You see how it happens? It just happens. And there were days, you know, I mean, if I'd have taken my brother out, you know, it wouldn't have happened. Hmm? There were days when I said, God, give up on him. He's not worth it. You know, then God slaps you and says, you know, you weren't either. Right? 
The nations are blessed because you make a decision to make a difference and to get rid of the junk and the stuff in our lives, you know, and I, I don't know about you, but stuff didn't just leave me. <laughs> stuff is still leaving me. But I've stayed. And my, my wife and I, 35 years of marriage, 25 years of ministry, as you just said, we've stayed with it. The only difference in me and a lot of our friends, she and I and a lot of our friends, is that we just didn't quit. We weren't better than they were or anything else. We just didn't throw the towel in until we got free of some stuff, had a lot of friends that quit and just gave it in and threw the towel in. We just didn't quit. I'm just telling you today, when you're connected to something that's bigger than you are and you're developing right relationships, the desire to not quit remains on the inside of you. You stay connected to something bigger than you because I want to be a part, I am a part of the greater glory. How about you? Amen? I'm a part of the greater splendor, the greater riches, the greater honor, the greater magnificence and prosperity and greater happiness. Glory to God. I'm not going to be unhappy ever again. I, I refuse. I'm just not going to be unhappy. Huh? Even if I have to fake it some days, I'm just going to be happy. I'm just going to look and be happy. You know? And, and, and you, you say, so, so you're just always happy? I didn't say that. I said, I have determined I'm going to be happy. Hmm? But there's days I don't want to be happy. You know? And, and okay, and is there days that you're not happy? Yeah. And then I have to repent because I'm in the happiness flow. I'm into the greater glory. It's here now, not later, now, now. It's not 10 years from now, it's now, greater. Everybody say greater. greater. It's not just the glory of the latter house, it's the greater glory of the house now and the church now and what God's doing in the church now and on. Amen? Now, you need to write this down and take these two verses, okay? So as a result of what God said to Isaac, verse 12, you know, he did some stupid things. And then we'll just skip all this stupid stuff, and then we'll, we'll talk about verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in the land, and he reaped in the same year hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man began to, remember one of the words of glory? Prosperity. Now watch this. I just love the way this is. I love this. Everybody watching it? Look at it. So the man began to prosper. Wow, he was, he was operating in the glory. And he continued to prosper. That means he didn't quit until he became what? Very prosperous. So he, he tapped into the greater glory because, okay, he, 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 he began to prosper, okay? You may be in the beginning to prosper stage, okay? But he continued. See, he didn't uproot. He continued. And what happened? Uh, and he continued to prosper until... Watch, he became very prosperous. What is very prosperous? Wow. We could talk for the next two hours about what very prosperous is. And some of it has to do materially, but so much of prosperity has to do with peace, with joy, with happiness, with fulfillment, with not being moved by outward circumstances, but being confident in the God on the inside of you. So much.
watch of prosperity is never being moved by anybody else, making a determination that nobody, no human being on the planet is going to rob you of the greater glory. No human being. You know what that, so, so here's a lot of people's picture of that. Well, bless God, you're not going to be my friend anymore. I'm getting away from you. No, 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 no. No. Now that's the easy way out. Hmm? It's the people that are difficult that you got to love them and forgive them. And then do what? Love them again. And then the next day, what do you do? Uh, tear their eyeballs out. No. You love them again. And then you love them again. And you love them again. And you love them again. And the more I love my brother, eight years later, man, it took a long time. But he finally got saved. And I'll just say, I'll just say, he probably didn't get saved in the last year because of my prayers. But I had a lot of seed in the ground for him before that. <laughs> I'm taking the credit for that. <laughs> no, I mean, I got fed up because I was so righteous. No? You just keep loving them, and you love them, and the kindness of God that's coming out of you leads a man to a place of repentance. And that's how we win the world. Amen? That's how we win the world, and that's how you become part of the greater glory and, and, and become very prosperous in everything that you do. Amen? So, I'm going to end with this. Just some things I wrote down that I want you to think about. So how, how does God and his word become more glorious? How does God and his word in your life become more glorious? So just, just hear me out on this. I'm going to just take, I've got about 10 minutes and I'm just going to read through the notes that I wrote here. And I want you to hear what, the, the way I've said this. Um, the Bible that talks about God becomes more glorious in several different ways. Okay? And... And I want you to think, as I, was reading, as I was reading some stuff, I thought about this. And I thought about a number of things that people really get hung up on with the Bible. But someone, someone heard from God, heard from heaven, before there was a Bible. And they recorded it, and it became God's word It became God's word recorded because somebody heard from God, they took what God said, and it was recorded, okay? Then we come along with this book called the Bible. People call it the word of God, but what I say is that it's, it has the potential to become the Word of God if you believe it. See, it's writings about what God said, okay? So in that sense, you can call it the Word of God. 
but it isn't really the word of God in your life. It goes from the Bible to the word of God as you believe that he really said it. So, so, I have to believe that the experiences that men had, like the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter and the Apostle John, all the different apostles that we, we see, the disciples of Jesus, all the recordings, Peter and different ones, we, we have these, these recorded experiences with God that we have to believe are real. If you don't believe that what was written here is real, it won't do anything for you. You have to believe that it's real, that it was a real voice from God, and that the record of it is true. So, in essence, the difference in this and the Webster's Dictionary is that this has the potential for life. The Webster's just defines life and defines things in existence in life. But this has the potential for life. Now watch me. Watch what I'm going to say here. So, so how do we prove it? How do we deal with questions, with doubts, with fears, and all in, 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 in regards to the validity of the Word of God? How do we deal with this stuff? Okay? Now, very simply, I just wrote these things down, and I, I just want you to think about this in, in these last things that I say to you today, and then we'll pick this up again next Sunday. Um. So, if the Apostle Peter heard from God, can someone else hear from God? If the Apostle Paul heard from God, can you hear from God? Okay? See, we have to become convinced of that. If they heard from God, and what we're reading and believing was a record, was the result of of an account or an experience with God that they pinned in paper and now has become what we call the Bible and we're believing that. And, and what we believe is that they heard from God, God spoke to them and it was real and then it was put on paper and it's here for us and, it, and it's the best-selling book on planet Earth ever in the history of the world. How many will buy a bestseller because it's a bestseller? Yeah, people put a lot of stock in bestsellers, right? <laughs> Number one bestseller of all time. Got to be something to it, right? You can even use that as something in the back of your mind that tells you that these, that these, these records of these experiences with God were real. So if one person heard from God, someone else can hear from God, and so God's no respecter of person, so you can hear from God. Amen? Is that true? Okay? Um, if one person got born again, then another person can get born again, right? So if there was one that got born again, and we see where people got born again in the Bible, then that means there's a second, and if there was a second, then you can be born again. And how many say today that they're born again? Okay? And you're born again because you believe in what this book says, and what this book says was an account written down by somebody that heard from God. Wow. How important is that? Hmm? And did anybody ever read in the Bible in the New Testament where somebody was healed? 
Maybe once or twice. Or 500 times. So if one person was healed, can a second be healed? Yeah. Do we have an account of someone healed on this side of the cross? Yeah. Healing after healing after healing after healing after healing. So if one was healed, then a second can be healed. And God's no respecter of person. So if healing manifested in the Bible as an account that someone wrote about things that happened, and God said that healing was for today, and we believe that, then can people be healed today? Everybody say this, I am healed. See, we're the healed in Christ. We're not the sick trying to get well. We're the healed, and sickness wants to convince us that it's more real. Sickness is more real than what God produced at Calvary. And I'm saying... And we'll talk about this next Sunday. I'm saying that you and I have to live in and experience today and on this greater glory manifestation so that the kingdom of God can continue to advance, but advance in new ways, new manifestations, fresh manifestations, fresh things happening. If God did it one time, he can do it a second time. And not only can he do it a second time, it's already available. Like tomorrow is already here, healing's already available. Salvation is already available. The ability to hear is already available to you and I. And to tap the greater glory is to walk in those things because we believe it. Doubts, fears, all of that. Gone in Jesus' name. I want to read... I want you to leave with this verse. I forgot this verse I was going to give you, and then I'm done, for reals. For really reals. In righteousness, and I pray this over you today, Isaiah 54 and 14, in righteousness you shall be established, you and your family. You shall be far from oppression, for, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Those who operate and live in the greater glory they are people that are established in righteousness you say well you know i don't understand enough of that no but you're, you're you're understanding and you will understand more the rest of today and tomorrow and next week and next month and next year you're, you're being established in righteousness you shall be far from oppression for you shall not fear and from terror for it shall not come near you heavenly father today i thank you that your word is alive and well and it's true to your people